Hey folks, welcome back to the Peach Planet Podcast. I'm Jason Pye, your host, joined by a full house tonight, Scott Turner, Buzz Brockway, and Eric Harrison, not to be confused with, with Eric Erickson. Uh, got, Call me Eric the Younger. Eric the Younger. Guys, it's good to see all of you. Good to see you. Glad to be back. Yeah, well, yeah. It, yeah no, you, you were missed. You were gallivanting around in the Midwest uh, last week and looked like you were having a grand old time. Three yeah. major league baseball stadiums, uh, 38 roller coasters, three amusement parks. <laughs> Nine, 1,984 miles and 42 hours in the car. So nice. Uh, but who's counting? Ooh, right? Who's counting in these things? Yeah. <laughs> so in the recent, in a couple of recent episodes of the podcast, uh, Buzz has been openly speculating on the future of Stacey Abrams. Uh, as we tend to engage in wild speculation on this podcast, it is how we do. Uh, Buzz, Buzz caught a little something something yesterday that I think uh, people might find a little interesting. Buzz? So uh, Stacey Abrams, uh, Democratic superstar, former state legislator, almost governor here in the state of Georgia, is going on tour, but none of the tour dates announced uh, currently are in the state of Georgia. They're all over the country, and it's, uh, it's billed as a, a conversation about politics and social justice and uh, things that uh, Stacey's interested in. Uh, tickets are on sale. There's a website. Uh, I think it's called Stacy uh, Stacy Abrams Tour or something like that. dot com. Anyway, you Google it and you can find it. And uh, you know, for two hundred bucks, you can have a private meeting with her. And the tickets other, otherwise are you know sort of reasonably priced, I suppose, and in, in line with concerts of uh, big bands and music acts and so forth. Uh, so, and I thought that was interesting because it, it's it's start from September through November, so it's you know it's close to you know two and a half three month tour. And uh, I don't know, it just made me think that's not what a person gearing up to run for governor does is announce a tour that don't, don't include any in the state in which she claims to everybody says she wants to be governor of. So capitalism is the best form of economic system, isn't it, guys? Yeah. <laughs> and she, she is she is benefiting from capitalism to the fullest. And I applaud her for it. Good for her. Go, Stacy, go. Make all the money you can make, man. Scott, but I, uh, go ahead, Buzz. Well, I was just gonna say with, that I did get some pushback, which we can talk about in a minute when y'all are when the rest of you weigh in on this. But there are some who disagree with my bold proclamation that she's she ain't running. Scott, Eric. Yeah. Well, uh, I, looking I think... at the ticket prices, thirty-two fifty for a, a ticket's not bad. Yeah, it's no. like going to the the masquerade. Yeah, <laughs> or the Fox Theater. Yeah. Um, where you would probably... oh that's cheaper than the fox or at least the last time i was there <laughs> well i mean honestly uh, if you're going to the fox theater to see something you're probably going to see uh, uh something on par with the theatrics and dramatic uh, intro and you know you, you i i expect full blown production quality from this tour i want fireworks i want you know music <laughs> intro music I want the full treatment, man. If I'm going to pay $32 to see Stacey Abrams at a, at a venue, I, I want there to be some showmanship. I want her, I want to see like three ring circus stuff going on. I want to, I want to be constantly entertained. It's cheaper than tickets to see Hamilton uh, at the Fox theater, but it is more expensive than most shows and probably almost every show I've been to. At the well, guess, here's a question. How does it compare to the Trump Bill O'Reilly tour that's, I don't know when that's happening, but it's it's supposedly happening. Oh, is that still a thing? 
wonder how the ticket prices compare to that. I, I, ha I have not looked. Well, I mean, in, in all fairness for Jason, the most of the bands that he goes to watch, it just requires a two drink minimum to get in. Um, because no one's ever heard of them. Because They're no one's ever heard of them, no. And then he, he spends somehow $400 on the uh, vinyl album uh, for that one band. Uh, I have only, the most I've ever paid for a vinyl album, sir, is a hundred dollars. So uh, okay, okay. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah. Uh, but I will spend a hundred dollars easily on merch. So there's yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so all right. Um, so I, I did. I did receive. I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but I did receive some pushback on my theory uh, that Abrams is not running uh, from a from a people who you know they're they're not just people who speculate on stuff. They're people who hear things. So the, the, the working theory is that Abrams is going to run. It's just that the field is frozen now. So what's the point of getting in now? Brian Kemp is weak and, and flailing around trying to fend off uh, Vernon Jones. So she's going to announce in February. And, uh, you know, Fair Fight Action has gazillions of dollars, which they do. Uh, Stacy does not have any trouble raising money, which is true. She certainly doesn't. And so what's the point of announcing now when she can announce in February and let let Brian Kemp, uh, you know, worry about Vernon Jones? Scott, uh, I, I just think that's a strategic error. If that's in case, in, in fact, the case uh, you don't give. First of all, Vernon Jones is no threat to Brian Kemp for the Republican nomination. Everything that Brian Kemp is campaigning, he's 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 campaigning right now against Democrats. He's not he's not running for the Republican nomination. That's in the back. He's running for re-election as governor of the state. And so I think it is a strategic error to give him several months without an opponent to continue to govern in a way that is satisfactory to most Georgians and to continue to make his case that, look, things aren't so bad or things are really good compared to where they could have been if somebody else had, had the helm of this ship. And you're giving this guy all the time in the world to go out there and continue to make that case. I think, I think, Buzz, I think you're probably closer to right than the person who told you that you're that you're wrong. Uh, or Stacey Abrams is making a huge political blunder. I, I tend to agree with you, Scott. And I think, I think the danger for Stacey is nervousness. You can kind of sense it on the Democrat side. Nervousness is increasing. And if she does wait till, you know, as it starts getting closer to the end of the year, eventually somebody's going to say, forget about it. I'm, I'm running. And right. then she's got a primary. Now, now she may wipe the floor with that person, but uh, I don't know. Like Let's she say did last it. time. Yeah, that's true. But, but she had to spend money and she had to, uh, you know, uh, uh, fight off an opponent. So I, I mean, think, Yeah. Kemp, Kemp has a, I mean, look, then, and we're going to discuss some things soon that I disagree with Kemp on, but, you know, Kemp's got, uh, certainly has a lot of things to be, to talk about. I mean, the state's unemployment rate is 4%, which is the 12th lowest in the country. And, you know, you can't get much low. I mean, you, the only way you got to go is down. I mean, it's George's growing jobs every month. And, you know, we've, we've generally recovered from, from COVID, from the pandemic and, Things are going to keep on trucking as long as we don't hit any speed bumps. And I mean, obviously there are concerns and inflation is, is a concern I think for everybody right now, given the cost of food and some goods are going up pretty, pretty noticeably um, because they pump so much money in the economy. But yeah. in terms of, in terms of the economy, Kemp has a pretty strong claim. Wouldn't you guys agree? Definitely. 
I do. Yeah, I, I, I think I disagree with Buzz and Scott to some extent that this is a blunder. You know, she's never had a problem raising money. And the last four years have definitely reiterated that she can just open up that tap and it just flows. So perhaps the, the idea behind this world tour is to help funnel some of that into Fair Fight and some of the other grassroots organizations now that can also attack at Kim. And when she announces in February, new fiscal year for most folks, they can just go ahead and write that, what is it, $7,500 check for primaries and runoffs? Mm. Like that. I, don't, I, I think that's right. I think that's 600 right. 600 statewide, something like that. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's going to be pretty interesting to watch and see. I mean, I mentioned this, uh, I was on a call with some folks last week or on Zoom with some folks last week and where we were talking about Georgia. And I was like, you know, there's speculation that Stacey Abrams isn't going to run. You know, and, and she's she's not filed. She, you know, granted, she won't have any problem raising money, as Buzz noted. But uh, there's the the biggest point of discussion right now is that she's not going to run, not that she is running, and not that she's putting a campaign team team in place. So in February, I get it that she clears the field, she jumps in. Uh, you know, may, and she'll raise money fast. But I don't I don't know. I mean, I would be building that war chest come Christmas if I if not sooner. But that's that's just me and I'm not, I'm not a Georgia Democrat. So, you know, I guess do your own thing. And I, I, yeah, I I do think that people who think that Kemp is incredibly weak, uh, underestimate him and underestimate, as Jason mentioned, underestimate, I think what, uh, what people think the, the economy is always a top issue. If unemployment remains low and the Georgia's economy seems to be chugging along, then uh, that that all redounds to Trump to a Kemp's uh, benefit. So, uh, well, uh, I, I don't. We've. I, we, I think we beat this one to a dead horse. Or, excuse me, beat a dead horse uh, because we plenty are, of other opportunities to beat this horse some more. I'm sure. In the yeah. No. Uh, yeah. They're it's they're the, going. The perennial rumor is what's going to happen. You know that <laughs> you you know on any given podcast there are three things we're going to discuss. Brad Raffensperger, Stacey Abrams, <laughs> or she who shall not be named. And, and so we got two of those tonight, folks. Uh, so some Congratulations, other... <laughs> Secretary Brad. We're not talking about you. <laughs> uh, so another interesting story, a bunch of Georgia Democrats went up to D.C. Uh, this past week. I did not see this story, so I'm going to turn it over to whoever the hell said we should include this one. So I think that I was, that was me. Yeah, I, think uh, was I think that was Buzz. Yeah, yeah there, there, were, there were a handful. I don't know how many. I, I saw three names. Uh, and uh, Carolyn Hughley, uh, Representative Carolyn Hughley, Representative Billy Mitchell, and Representative B. Wynn, who is a candidate for Secretary of State here in Georgia, uh, went to uh, <coughs> excuse me went to D.C. Uh, to pal up with the uh, the Texas Democrats who have fled the state of Texas and are uh, you know camped out in D.C. Uh, trying to draw attention to um, you know the need in their mind to pass federal elections legislation. Uh, so uh, apparently. Senator Warnock came over. I guess Josh Josh McLaren. I may. I'm sorry if I pronounced his last name wrong. I think he was there too. I saw a tweet from him where uh, uh, he had a clip of uh, of Senator Warnock speaking, and he said that church bells started ringing in the background, and that was exciting. 
so uh, they, they went up there to, you know, to, to uh, stand with, in solidarity with the, uh, with the uh, Texas Democrats and calling for election reform at the federal level. So interesting. Yeah, the HR1. Good, move for, good move for B. Wynn since she's running for Secretary of State on the, and, the Democratic ticket. Get out there and, and back H.R. 1 and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. It's a pretty interesting contrast, too, because considering Jody Heiss is also running for Secretary of State, and uh, he's making a lot of waves about election laws. And, uh, you know, I mean, H.R. 1's obviously DOA in the Senate, and the For the People Act, I can't remember, it's S-1 was the original bill, but they've they tried to amend it through another legislative vehicle. It's dead, and it's dead in the Senate, although um, uh, Schumer did reserve the right to bring it back up, but that doesn't seem to be going anywhere they obviously infrastructure is the play this week but i mean all that stuff's not going to happen because the filibuster is going to remain in place for at least another you know what is it 16 months a little bit yeah yeah at least another 16 months depending on what happens in the house next year and what happens in the senate next year so we'll see uh scott you got anything you want to add uh you know i the the democrats are just so much better at theater than republicans and let's just call this what it is it's pure theater you know i i mean it's entertainment for them you know they're they're they they staged this fly out and they got on, on a private jet N never mind the carbon footprint of that flight um they weren't wearing masks some of them came down with covid uh, you know that all of that's forgiven by the press because gosh it's just great showmanship for them to get up there and and the church bells were ringing behind the pastor as he was a u.s senator speaking it's so melodramatic i, I mean gosh uh where is where is uh uh charles dickens when you need him to 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 describe the scene you know it's just amazing stuff but anyway that's all i had to offer well uh, one thing i didn't notice because i pulled up twitter here a second ago and i figured i'd go ahead and bring this up uh doug collins is trending on twitter right now and do I you know I put that in the chat that's do you know why? do you know why doug collins is trending right now was my next question because oh. apparent apparently because his former campaign manager is running for lieutenant governor as a democrat <laughs> no it's because it is because uh doug collins is apparently donald trump's lawyer now wow yeah Ooh. yeah uh so that, that hasn't ended well for anyone else that has taken that position Get paid up front, Doug. That's right. all I got to say. Get paid up front. Is, yeah, get, get better. Because here's the surprise meter. It's it's right at, uh, yeah, nothing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's got almost 10,000. There are 10,000 tweets associated with Colin's name. And one of them says it's a letter uh, by Donald Trump's new lawyer, Doug Collins. Yes, that Doug Collins is remarkable. So it deals with... Um, it deals with, I guess, some stuff related to the House Committee on Oversight and Reform and Senate Judiciary Committee. So pretty, pretty interesting stuff. I don't have, I haven't had time to really look into it, but that's, I, that is I pulled up a, I pulled up a Politico story that was you know, saying that Donald Trump's legal team signaled Monday they will not immediately try to block testimony of former Justice Department officials who have called before Congress, potentially clearing a roadblock for multiple investigations touching on the former president's tenure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's I think that's what it is here. So uh, that's what this relates to. But Doug, I, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Doug, don't do anything till the check clears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he, had, Rudy. he has a hundred million dollars. He has a hundred million dollars sitting in his, his campaign account. Like get that check, 
<laughs> cash it before you yeah. do anything else. Like, don't even, don't deposit it. Cash it. Take it, take <laughs> no, it in. No, no, don't cash it because then you're subject to civil asset forfeiture. Uh, that's, so take that's, the risk. That's fair. Scott, calm down. We're getting there. We're 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 getting we're getting Don't there. Carry large sums. Invest in Bitcoin, right? Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> stay, staying on the theme of state politics, and yes, Scott, we are getting there, but not yet. Uh, Brian Kemp. Uh, Brian Kemp has authorized some money for uh, for law enforcement to help deal with the crime wave in Atlanta, and uh, I. This is a really interesting point for me because, like as someone who works on criminal justice for a living, as well as someone who was critical of the governor in 20, uh, in 2019, uh, in early 2020, because, uh, he kept deviating money away from like, he, he was deviating money away from drug courts into, uh, more spending for law enforcement and GBI. And I had a problem with that because drug courts have been pretty successful in the state of Georgia. And, uh, and at the time, Atlanta was experiencing, or Georgia, over more holistically, Georgia was experiencing pretty pretty low. I mean, like we had we had had the lowest crime rate. I think the second lowest crime rate on in, in the last thirty or forty years. Uh, so we were doing pretty well here in Georgia. Obviously, COVID, and well, I'm not going to blame it solely on COVID, but COVID is a part of it. You know, has had an impact. We've seen job losses as a result of COVID. And then the people largely staying indoors, self, uh, you know, locking themselves down, not to the same degree in Georgia as they did in other places around the country. I think that has had a major impact on crime. And then you also have the added racial uh, unrest that we've seen over the past eight, uh, 16 months or so, uh, particularly in Atlanta, uh, as it relates to the shooting last summer. So, uh, but Kemp giving, you know, giving money, I do think it's necessary because the, i mean i saw manuals tavern today post something on facebook uh where they were saying look if you feel uncomfortable going to your car at night like tell us and we'll have someone walk out with you i mean so wow. there, there's that much of a concern about crime in atlanta where people are you know businesses like manuals and others are starting to take notice and starting to try to make customers feel a little bit more at ease especially those customers who might be coming from uh <clears throat> otp coming in itp yeah, yeah. To, to have dinner or what or shopping or whatever the case may be. I mean, it's it, there's and it doesn't seem like there's any particular neighborhood that's immune. Even Buckhead has experienced its yeah. its recent uh, 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 crime, like experienced crime recently and some shootings as well. So I'm curious to get you guys' reaction. What you think about Kim's moves here? Well, I, I, you know the the unit that he has created. He created it out of his emergency fund. Um, he, he took five million of his fund last year created it's it's and he's calling it a crime suppression unit um it's primarily uh, uh state troopers uh but also some multi-jurisdictional uh, help is there as well it's for the local police officers to to um to get resources that they're not getting from the city uh the, what was interesting to me was keisha lance bottoms reaction of you know the governor's just taking shots at me because it's popular and she pointed that out that crime is rising everywhere. And that may be the case, but the type of crime that's rising is not the same type of violent crime that we're seeing in Atlanta. And it's certainly not the same level as what we're seeing in Atlanta. Um, you know, I, I wish, honestly, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for local control uh, to a point. And I, I wish the mayor would get off her butt or off her bottom as the case may be and actually do her freaking job 
instead of having the governor or, or the even the speaker of the house have to prod her into doing something about this i know she's not running for re-election so she's she feels free from that burden of re-election and not having to face the voters for her decisions and her policy positions but good gravy people's lives are are in danger here and and when you have somebody like manuel's tavern a bastion of progressivism um, and and liberal thought uh going out and saying hey look you know, we're, we recognize there's a problem here. That says a lot. It does. So I wouldn't go so far to say Manuel's is a bastion of progressivism. It's it's the I was going to say establishment the Democrat bar. <laughs> it's not not the AOC bar. It's the Joe Biden bar. I mean, it's 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 it was basically where the modern Georgia Democratic Party was founded. But the if I recall correctly, uh, the owner is Manuel's son is is a Republican. Well. You, you're not you're i'm sorry anywhere that has an fdr <laughs> painting on the wall uh probably is more where i'm describing them than you are I'm no that's saying. no that's that's fair no but, <laughs> but 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 eric i am curious to get your you're you're the only one of us who lives who lives in atlanta proper so i'm curious to get your two cents here yeah and so i live in apd zone one uh which is the the west side and, and northwest side of Atlanta. And I would say from our experience here, we haven't seen, we've seen the uptick in like petty theft, uh, car break-ins and, and stuff like that. Uh, we have not seen the violent crime uh, increase that other parts of the city have. Uh, but from the Atlanta perspective, we APD does have a crime suppression unit which is the logical outcome or the, the Phoenix from the old Red Dog team, uh, which uh, if you are unfamiliar for anyone li listening, uh, Catherine Johnson was a, a lady in her late 90s uh, and the APD Red Dog team broke in on a no-knock warrant uh, and ended up killing her. Uh, and after that event, the the Red Dog team was disbanded, but uh, as soon as I hear a crime suppression unit, that's the, honestly, this is the first thing that comes to mind, uh, is what is this going to look like? Uh, is our areas that are already over-policed uh, going to see more of this, or is this actually going to stay in the areas where uh, you're actually seeing some of these upticks? Uh, the I think uh, George Cheedy said this morning in his email that there have been 83 murders in the city of Atlanta, uh, which is eight higher this time this year than it was this time last year and is 30 higher than this time in 2019. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's definitely a problem. Uh, it would be nice if city council and the mayor would actually listen to some of the recommendations from the police reform stuff that was happening last year uh, and actually trying to do something about this, but it just seems that it's going to be this political pawn uh, that's gonna go back and forth between the city and the state and no one's gonna actually address it. They're just gonna throw money at a problem and possibly it might get addressed by someone, but most likely I don't have a lot of faith in it. Buzz, you wanna weigh in? Well, I just, I think, uh... You know, Eric mentioned George Cheedy's, uh, everyone should be reading his Substack. I think it's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's fantastic journalism. Yeah. He's, he's, he's really digging in. It's not as, um, 
<coughs> excuse me, you know, the mayor is trying to say, well, this is a COVID crime increase. It's, it's more complicated than that as George is exploring. But yeah, I think it, it's, it's going to remain in the news uh, because the, the woman who was killed in Piedmont Park has grabbed a lot of attention. Uh, the mayor in her conference when she was talking about that murder also made note of a, a young African-American man who was a 17 year old, I believe, who was murdered in a different park. Uh, so there is, you know, there is a, a real problem here and it's going to remain in the news. And uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, I think his name was Jakari. And the re after his murder, the city shut down all the public pools yeah. uh, that were outdoor. Yeah. Which I was having a conversation with a city council member about that. And it seems to be a, an interesting contracting issue uh, that they contract out the security of the outdoor pools with non-APD police officers and uh, the lifeguard, I guess, clearing house, if you will, uh, none of their lifeguards are willing to come into the city of Atlanta. Uh, so that's why the whole blanket closure of outdoor public pools happened in the city of Atlanta. Wow. Interesting. I don't know. This, I mean, I, I even noticed something the other day. I was, uh, there's been talk of a potential serial killer uh, in, in Atlanta. I don't know if you guys have seen this. There's just because, <laughs> yeah. that, that, because of that murder in Piedmont Park. The, apparently, I don't know if th this is related to the one that happened in Piedmont Park, but they also found a, um, a, found a body in Stockbridge recently. And, it, and I just, somebody asked me about it the other day and I went and Googled it. And it turns out like there was a, there was a, this murder in Stockbridge where they found some remains actually near where I lived. It, it's in this, it's on the same street I lived on in high school. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that caught me, that caught me by, uh, uh, by surprise. Yeah. So, and I think fueling that speculation was uh, that apparently APD called in the FBI to assist with the murder of the woman in the, in Piedmont park. And, the uh, you know, police chief Bryant addressed that and said, we essentially, uh, um, they've explored, you know, the first thing you look at in a murder is did the, you know, you, most murders are committed by somebody that you know, uh, somebody the victim knew, and that they've explored those leads, can't find anything. So they brought in the FBI to, to try to help because uh, they're, they're at a, a dead end. So I, I think, yeah. and, I, and I, in regard to the thing in Stockbridge, I, uh, article I read on WSB was Mark, Mark Winnie asking <laughs> the police down there. So we're dealing with a, ser a potential serial killer. Right. And the police chief said, we're not ruling anything out. So that's a, that's, I don't know that I think in the age of Twitter and everything, folks, you know, obviously you have fear going on. Somebody murdered in Piedmont park is going to scare a lot of people who, uh, <laughs> A different we demographic than everybody's anxiety. I hope you got your soul off next to you. It is yeah. is one thing for us here on the Peach Funda podcast to engage in wild speculation. It is quite a different thing for WSB TV to engage in wild <laughs> speculation. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we I make no pretense about being I'm just responsible. A dude sitting on the internet. That's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> we make no pretense about being responsible journalists. So no, we, no. we not, none of us consider ourselves no. journalists. No, at all. And if you do, you're wrong. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, do, <laughs> if you do, I am biased as hell. So right. I am yeah, not we a journalist. Don't hide it. Yeah, we don't no. hide it. Uh, so, so speaking about my bias against people, Scott uh, recently gave testimony on civil asset forfeiture. And Scott, we are now at the, at the point in the podcast where you can talk about this. Oh, it's all about, no, never mind. Uh, we, <laughs> yeah, I was invited to uh, 
speak in front of the U.S. Civil Rights Commission uh, today on a series of hearings that they're doing on civil asset forfeiture. They were interested in knowing what my perspective was as a state lawmaker who had been advocating for reform. And if you're not familiar with what civil asset forfeiture is, Google it. It's, it's really just uh, it's a process by which government can take your property from you uh, by just simply thinking that you are related to criminal activity. And in Georgia, you we do not require that you are charged with a crime. We can just simply take your property from you and, and send you to a civil process that's separate, separate from criminal, and you will never see your property again. You don't have to be arrested. You don't even you have, have to be arrested. arrested. You don't have to be charged. Um, and interestingly enough- And you don't get the suit filed against you. Your stuff gets the suit filed against it. Right. And, <laughs> see, and, see, see Texas versus one gold crucifix. Yeah. Or-, or <laughs> state of georgia versus one hundred thirty-six thousand six hundred fifty-six dollars and 39 cents is the case <laughs> be. Uh, which is often the case is they go after cash and in my testimony today uh in front of the committee i was i was joined by a, a lieutenant from south fulton the city of south fulton and also a member of also a separate person that, that represented the prosecuting attorney's council and i got to go last where so i was able to kind of cater my and tailor my testimony to to point out some of the things that they were talking about. And the number one thing, like the South Fulton law enforcement officer, she did a great job of explaining how the safeguards are in policy at, at her level, at her agency level. You know, they, they do things like uh, criminal background checks and before they go forward with, with any type of civil forfeiture. And it's like, that's great. That's a policy that you guys have implemented, not a law. Um, the gentleman who was from prosecuting attorney council was talking about all the different nuances. He took, uh, we were all supposed to get 12 to 15 minutes. He took like almost 40 minutes explaining the process and, uh, they let him go with it. <clears throat> when I was, was that Pete Scandalakis? Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, a, a gentleman named uh, Mr. Bergman was his name, but, uh, one of the things that came up was, you know, the focus was how does this how does this policy of civil asset forfeiture impact people of color? And this is one of these areas where, you know, I I preach, you know, this is uh, equal protection under the law. It doesn't matter what your race, creed, background, your, whatever it is, you should be treated the same under the law. But here in Georgia, it definitely has been used to target African-Americans and other minorities, specifically in Banks County. Banks County is is familiar to the podcast because Mr. Dan Gassaway has been talking about how the sheriff there doesn't live in the in the county, um, if you recall. And uh, so we've had some discussions about Banks County in the past. But so in 2015, they pulled over a member of the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, a sheriff's deputy picked up uh, Mike Scott from the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, he had $1,600 in cash, a little bit of, of ecstasy, a little bit of marijuana and also uh, filed a report uh, with the fact pattern that would have required the, the gentleman to, in the car to be driving at about 600 miles per hour uh, based on mile markers. Um, Mr. Scott from the Atlanta Hawks was able to hire an attorney and defend himself. And what they found was that one particular officer between 2015 and 16 had 1,400 stops. Uh, he gave out eight citations. He had 47 arrests. 44 of those 47 were minorities, and he took in $285,000 in cash from those stops. Um, interesting interesting. Is, 
Well, I was going to say also the interesting thing about, thing about that is that there are classes that are put on by private entities that will actually reward people, officers who come in and do this training on how to take people's stuff. And they actually they give them rewards to the people who seize the most money. It's, so that's like that's game theory, right? They've, they've made it into a game. They've made it into like a little a little a Facebook game then in that case. But what was interesting is, you know, one of the things that Mr. Bergman in his testimony pointed out is that it is required that counties and law, law enforcement agencies report every year what they've seized and what they spent the money on and in 2015 and 2016 that's 285,000 uh, dollars and then Banks County and I'm going to be writing a, a blog post for Peach Point on this when I dig in some more but they didn't report in 2017 they didn't report in 2018 they didn't report in 2019 mm -hmm. in 2020 they reported a little less than 65,000 dollars total so you will you go from 136,000, 148,000 in in those two years combined and aggregate, you get, that you get to the 285, down to 60,000 after not reporting for several years after you got busted targeting minority. So there's there's something stinky still going on over there in mm -hmm. Banks County, and it may it may not just be because the uh, the sheriff is allegedly living in a different county. <laughs> Well, now, that's one of the things about forfeiture, George, especially, especially George's forfeiture law, because I mean, I remember, I think it was right around the time that you introduced your original bill back in what was it 2016, Scott? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where I came and testified where I think I had overheard someone making a comment like George has already done this. It's like, yeah, no, no, you didn't. Not really. Right. You, you, you right. made you made forfeiture laws more uniform, but you didn't address evidentiary standards. You didn't address yeah. innocent owners. You, there was a lot of things you didn't do that you could have done that you whiffed on. And I, I, I and it's especially like in we, what we've seen in terms of transparency, like it's hit or miss whether counties follow the law. Yes. It's, it's, it's completely hit or miss. And Georgia's yes. Georgia, there are States that have gone that are, that are of like, like Arizona, Arizona uh, had Prior to this year, Arizona had reformed its civil asset forfeiture uh, laws. They had made the evidentiary standard clear and convincing evidence, put the burden of proof on the property or on the uh, government. And then this year, they tied it to, they got rid of the, the uh, they, they basically basically said you have to be convicted of a crime. They got, they had a criminal conviction requirement. We're seeing more and more states mm -hmm. do that. Uh, and as well as some states closing the federal loophole where you can't circumvent state law, they use federal law because federal law sucks too. Uh, but this is civil asset forfeiture is probably you talk to people about it. There are two things I know about in my time in working criminal justice reform that you can't believe it happens here. The first one is that judges can still use conduct for which you've been acquitted in your sentencing based on a preponderance of the evidence. We call it acquitted conduct. There's a bill at the federal level to address it, uh, which has already been marked up by Senate Judiciary. The other one is civil asset forfeiture. People cannot believe this happens here because there is no due process. Yeah. We, we base it on this medieval, this medieval notion that the property is evil, so therefore we're going to charge the property. We're not going to charge the person. Right. The most egregious <laughs> it's a legal line. Fi it's a legal fiction. The, yeah. the, the most egregious line in Georgia code, all of it, all of it, is the line in in uh, OCGA that says if you are found not guilty of a crime, you are still subject to civil asset forfeiture, and you should still lose your property. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's I mean we can't fix that because the Georgia Sheriff's Association comes out and fights every year and tells legislators they're gonna they're gonna work against them back in their home district and and when you have like I was lucky I only represent part of one county. 
but do have state house members. Gerald Green represents what 11 counties. Mm -hmm. uh, he has 11 sheriffs he has to answer to and all 11 members uh, uh, all 11 of those sheriffs are the most popular elected official in their counties and so yep. you don't want to go up against that especially with gerald because he's in this 50 50 district he's constantly fighting for his political life you need the sheriff on your side yeah. so you know you i can't i can't legitimately ask gerald to lay down his political life for an issue when you know unless he's just ready to go <laughs> you know yeah. that's the only yeah. way it'll ever happen you know, or or he loses and his opponent comes in and is a big, big proponent of reform. No, at some point in time, we're coming off the Tim's case back a couple of years ago. I, I think we're at a point right now. The the only way we're going to pave a way for states like Georgia uh, to do something on this is for the Supreme Court to say, you know what, this is this is unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think they've been trying to get there for a while now. The Tim's like Clarence Thomas wants to do that. Yes, so. he does. Yeah, Clarence <laughs> Thomas wants to do that. He wants to do qualified immunity. He wants to do some other thing, other things as well. But be, but forfeiture is just particularly pernicious. And unless we get some reform at the federal level, which you know there is legislation, we've the Fair Act has been reintroduced by uh, Congressman Tim Wahlberg, still waiting on Senator Paul to reintroduce his his companion legislation over on the Senate side. Uh, but you know the the Fair Act probably goes too far for most most law enforcement entities because it gets rid of equitable sharing if you get rid of that you're stopping that i mean there is there's no need for states to close the loophole anymore so yeah. equitable sharing for those who don't know is this end around where if if a state puts a, a limit on whether or not you can go and get this this property and its value from uh, a suspected criminal They'll just go to the federal government, and the federal government says, oh, "We'll we'll treat it as a federal crime, and we'll we'll take part of it, and we'll but we'll give the rest to you to do whatever you want with." And and there are efforts. This I introduced a bill that would say, unless it's over a hundred thousand dollars, you don't get any of it. It goes into the general fund. And I had a member of the, the sheriffs association said, "Well, why?" why do you think that's fair? And I was like, because it's not about money, right? And he goes, well, why should I have to bear the cost of enforcing the law if I'm not going to get the money? I was like, but you just told me it's not about the money. It's your job is to enforce the law. I thought you were in this to, to damage the criminal enterprise, right? And it's like right over his head what, what had just happened there. So it's 100% about the money. And, yeah. and I think, you know, ultimately we're going to have to figure out how we're going to fund law enforcement. Yeah. yeah, it may yeah. require. But it's a sign of a, a state that's too strong. If they can come in and take your stuff without actually convicting you of anything, it's just unconscionable that that's yep. still a thing. Yeah, yeah. and that, this is a freaking America, right? This shouldn't be happening at all. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to just get a plug in for my employer. We Georgia Center for Opportunity on our website, we did a, a report, a deep dive, a deep look at Georgia's laws. It included what Scott mentioned. We we took a look at the uh, compliance rates. Among law enforcement, among uh, you know the, the law enforcement agencies across the uh, state, and that yeah, as Scott mentioned, there's there's quite a few who who just don't file reports. Uh, so the, the and I don't I don't think the law clarifies that. I think you know what you hear from them, as Scott mentioned, well we didn't have anything to report. Uh, well, how do we know? I mean, how does the public know? That's not that's bad transparency right there. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot the, of the, the law enforcement. I'm sorry, let me get on the point real quick. Uh, Mr. Bergman, in his testimony, pointed out that there is a law that requires them to report, and it's up to the prosecuting attorney and the local law enforcement agency to actually enforce that law. Yeah. So you have a sheriff's department or even a, a prosecuting attorney, in this case, responsible for blowing the whistle on themselves. 
yeah, it's, it's a dumb it's, system. And Eric, I'll let you chime in here just just one second. The only the only way you're going to get state or uh, counties to or in, and municipalities to in, to to do this is to hold funding over their heads. Yeah. Other other like you're going to have to hold them accountable in some way. So if you if they if these counties municipalities don't do this, they should see some funding cut. That's it. Yeah. Eric. Yeah. So one of the things I was going to point out is just how fractured we are uh, as a state when it comes to law enforcement agencies. Uh, where I live, I think there is jurisdiction of at least four that I can name off the top of my head. Uh, I've got APS Police Department. I've got MARTA Police Department. I've got APD. I've got the Fulton County Sheriff's Office. Presumably, if the Fulton County Police Department still exists, I would be in their jurisdiction as well. And that's just one city in Atlanta. Yeah. Like, we have 159 sheriffs that all have their own departments. You've got other counties like Cobb, whose county commission had an issue with their sheriff a while back. And so they have a Cobb County Police Department. Uh, you have schools or school systems that have their own police departments, APS, DeKalb, Fulton, others. Uh, you have universities that have their own police departments, uh, Morehouse, Spelman, UGA, uh, Georgia State, my alma mater. Uh, you have uh, state agencies like the state troopers, the GBI, like you have all of these different entities. Uh, and you have small cities that have 600 people that have a police department rather than the sheriff's office take care of it. Like there's all this dis everybody does something different. Uh, Georgia, I love you for your sense of local control, but sometimes uh, a little bit more uniform standard would be helpful uh, just so that you have I mean, there's probably easily 500 police agencies within the state of Georgia. Porterdale, Georgia. Porterdale, Georgia has so Newton County has a Newton County Sheriff's Department. We don't have a police department, uh, but each uh, but Porterdale and Covington, I know for a fact, have their own police departments. Porterdale is a has a population of less than 1500 people. They had up until I don't know if they've gotten rid of them because I haven't seen them in front of the, the, the police department. They used to have two armored vehicles. Wh why? What, we getting are we getting crazy down in Porterdale, Georgia? Like which <laughs> which has like a main street and a few buildings, like if you, like a restaurant. Like if we actually just explore this, we'd be peeling back some layers of an onion that I don't want to take a bite of. <laughs> that's 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 entirely fair. And Henry Henry County Henry County Sheriff's Department. Henry County I have no Department. problem saying that police departments shouldn't have tanks. <laughs> yeah, I have no problem with that. The 1033 program should be eliminated, but that's neither here nor there. We're going to move. We're going to move on. Scott, Let me just uh, make one quick point. I think we in the climate we're in, we just talked about rising crime across the country. Uh, I think the challenge for those of us who want to see reform in this, how do you do it while at the same time uh, talking about we're, we're going to we're going to uh, fight this rise in crime? So, yeah, well, it's, it's, I have it's an answer a challenge. <laughs> and, and the answer is you, you just stay the process. You know, you still yeah. have it as a tool. What I've proposed allows law enforcement to continue to use civil asset forfeiture, but they have to wait before they take the property permanently until after a conviction. And yeah. if there's no conviction, they don't get any property from it. Mm -hmm. And I, that you restore this concept of innocent until proven guilty. You maintain your support of law enforcement and also yeah. fighting crime, but you honor the American promise of innocent until proven guilty. That's how you do it. Well, uh, 
Well said. I will say, uh, mic drop. <laughs> Co- Coach Scott should post his testimony on peachpundit.com so our <laughs> listeners and viewers can can read it. I know I certainly would learn something from it, even though I used to be really knowledgeable about forfeiture. It's been a while since I've dipped my toes in that water. So, um, so turning to uh, kind of mixing some some state and national politics. Um, she who shall not be named. <laughs> Uh, we is there can't... like a female version of Voldemort? Did I miss a memo? What what's happening? Yes, yeah, so she represents Georgia fourteen. We just say fourteen. She represents Georgia's fourteenth congressional district. Uh, she who should not be named, uh, which uh, does not grow corn, but she would like to go see the place that grows corn. Yeah. So uh, she. <laughs> so this is what the tweet from Jennifer J. Jacobs on Twitter says: uh, News. She who shall not be named, GOP Congresswoman from Georgia, plans to appear at Iowa State Fair August nineteenth. The fair is a traditional venue for politicians contemplating presidential campaigns, so it's sparking questions about whether she who shall not be named may try to seek the White House. Uh, okay. I don't know. I don't know, man. All right. I don't know, man. It's 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 early. It's it's 2021. It seems it seems you know we got 2024 is a ways away. Of course, the the GOP uh, candidates will start announcing right after Christmas next year. Yep. Uh, and then they'll have the first debates probably in May or June or July. So we're still a way, ways away from this, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty interesting. Scott, you wanted to say something. That's one word uh, for it. I thought, you know, like Oz, the land of Oz and make-believe was Kansas, not Iowa. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, like, wow. I mean, did she click her heels together and say there's no place like home and it <laughs> transported from Roswell, Georgia, all the way up to Iowa. No, and, I think and, someone and it, dumped water on her and she melted and just reappeared in it, Iowa. Well, here's the other question. I mean, that's a good point, Jason. Keep the water buckets away from her up there. We we want her to come back whole, right? I mean, let's, we'll pray for her health and safety. But here's the bottom line is, did, does Trump know? Like, did she ask permission from her master if uh, to before she's allowed to go to the land of Iowa and corn? That's another that could be loosely taken as another Harry Potter reference. So you're saying <laughs> you're saying she's Dobby and Trump has I mean, given her a sock. Uh, well, it, I mean, <laughs> uh, master wants Dobby I, to be free. I mean, <laughs> I'm looking around. Maybe we can give her a, a, a Savannah Bananas hat before she goes and set her free. Jeez, uh, <laughs> I, I just wonder how I, I do wonder you know what her master would think of her running off to iowa by herself i, I mean this one this one uh well, we've seen him turn on people for less yeah <laughs> it's true as, yeah. i mean she she seems to fancy herself as the trump's heir apparent and uh so boy is matt gets gonna dead. be disappointed when he finds out josh yeah, Ho- josh holly would like a word yeah <laughs> and, uh, yeah there's a couple but, dozen who think they're the heir apparent Trump's not dead. He's still around, folks. He's yeah. thinking about running for president. I'm just saying. Well, there was uh, that you know. there was that news that that Trump, uh, the, the who uh, Mark Meadows came out and said, yeah. well, the cabinet met. The cabinet. Yeah, I, met. Know, they, I, I thought yeah. it wasn't Biden's cabinet, so it's some other cabinet. Right. And Trump had talked to them, and they're they're ready to roll. So yeah, uh, and he made it very clear that the subject matter was them was them pulling together to, to support Donald Trump for president in two years. The, the counter the counterpoint to that though is, is Kushner Kushner recently started his own investment firm and he's so you know he's and he was like one of the the main people in I mean he largely ran the 2016 and 2020 campaigns 
Yeah. So, I mean, I'm wondering if he's not involved, could, should, should we take it? I mean, it, it wouldn't be the first conflict of interest he's had. It's <laughs> entirely fair. No, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, uh, are, they, are they? I mean, it's a heck of a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work to run a presidential campaign. Maybe, so, maybe she really just wanted a deep fried uh, stick of pepper jack cheese. Maybe that's really why she's going. She heard the corn dogs were amazing, and she they, wait. They deep fry stuff outside of the South. Yeah, in, in Iowa, Iowa? and Iowa, deep fry Oreos there, bro. Wow. Yeah, dude, deep fried Oreos are delicious. They are. Yeah. You can get yeah. them at the South Carolina State Fair. They're awesome. Yeah. Dang. So there's rednecks everywhere, is what you're telling me. There's, yeah. a, there's a couple places in Atlanta that serve them too. They're actually really good. Uh, but yeah. So, but anyway, that's something for you folks to keep up. They're uh, as good uh, as fried pickles. Like it's delicious. <laughs> one of those is not a dessert. That, that's not oh, even... But they're all tasty. And just speak for yourself, man. Uh, it's, we, we all have our own things. It's, it's, it's fine. That's fine. buy a vinyl record or something. <sighs> fried pickles, fried okra, no fried pickles Oreos. Too. It's okay. all tasty. Like, just no, give me the whole plate. Fried okra is the devil. And yeah, I agree. Nah, no, yeah. fried okra is pretty good. Stop uh, it. It's delicious. I just Stop made it. it the other day, and I grew the okra in my backyard. Oh god! Why are you the worst person I've ever met? Uh, so it's 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 so it's something to keep an eye out for that she. Dude, I'm from named. Alabama. Of course, I eat okra. Oh, that's. <laughs> I knew there was something off about you. You're from Alabama. Uh, so she. So something to keep an eye out for. She who shall not be named is is question mark considering gets, the presidential run. Get slash she who shall not be named 2024. Yeah, God help us all. Uh, so chaos agent from 14 goes to Iowa. <laughs> so interesting. I will say this, Greg. It was in, Greg Bluestein tweeted. Imagine an Abrams versus uh, she who not, shall not be named battle for twenty twenty four White House. Well, Biden says he's running for re-election. I think. I think. I um, thought he was only going to be a one term. So he, that was say that, all sorts of stuff. That was the speculation that came out when he was still the Democratic presidential nominee, uh, yeah. but that was like aides and, and advisors who were speculating. He has said he's, he has said that he's going to run for president again. Well, you never, can I mean, of course. Electing boomers, like nothing against the boomers that are listening, but like, can <laughs> we get someone a little bit younger than 70 to run for president? You know, Biden's will be 80 when he runs for reelection. Yeah. Look, of course he's going to say that because you don't say, well, I'm just a one term. Cause then they're, you're mm-hmm. immediately a lame duck. So why, of course he's going to, of course he's running yeah. again. Right. But so moving on, cause I want to, I want to, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, so this also has a, a little bit of an intersection with federal level. I moved it down because I wanted to talk about um, Voldemort first, female Voldemort first. Um, so last week was probably one of the most partisan weeks I have seen uh, in, on Capitol Hill since January 6th. And it was for a bunch of different factors. One, they had the first select commit, uh, January 6th select committee hearing, and that turned into, and Buzz, we, we, I think we discussed some of the I guess we haven't discussed. I can't remember if we discussed that or not. The rules committee stuff last week. We did discuss that yep. on last week's podcast. Yep. Um, and uh, about Andrew Clyde. But uh, something that happened, I think it may have happened that morning or the next day. Uh, they're trying to enforce the mask mandate in the House of Representatives by directing the sergeant at arms to initially warn someone who's not wearing a mask. And then if they continue to refuse to wear one to immediately arrest that person (laughs) initially, initially, yeah, Scott, initially, initially it was, it was thought it applied to members too. Uh, And it, it, they backed down said it doesn't apply to members. So it does apply to staff and any visitors who visit the the Capitol, or at least the house side of the Capitol. Uh, But with the resurgence of COVID 
and the, the new cases we're seeing related to the Delta variant, now I'm seeing the CDC says nine, 90 plus percent of the cases that are in the United States right now are Delta variant cases. We are seeing a lot of talk about mass mandates coming back. I think the city of Atlanta has already imposed one, and I'm sure other jurisdictions either have or are going to. So I'm curious to get you guys' thoughts, because we I think a lot of us thought we were out of this, or at least there was light at the end of the tunnel, and it seems we're, we're, we're going in reverse back towards the darkness. Go get a vaccine. Oh, I agree. I agree with you. Um, I was in Chicago over the weekend where they had Lollapalooza. And um, people in Chicago don't give a squat about your mask mandate. Let me just put it that way. Uh, they, and the people that went to Lollapalooza didn't either. As a matter of fact, I kind of wish they'd have a mask on because it would have doubled the amount of clothing they were wearing. Uh, <laughs> But does Chicago care about anything outside of Chicago? The one point I'll make on that is uh, I, cause I, I heard, seen the same picture on a Facebook group this week. Um, and Lollapalooza was apparently doing temperature checks. Uh, and you, you uh, had to have proof of vaccination in right. order to get in. Uh, right. And that's, I mean, at the gate, they had a big sign, be prepared to show your proof of vax. Um, still though, Delta variant, whatever else uh, there are, there are factors that, could potentially cause you to pick it up in your nose, carry it around, sneeze on grandma, grandma dies. I mean, that's that's the reality of what we're dealing with here. The problem is really going to come for a policymaker because there has been so many different data points. There have been so many uh, points where that conflict with one another. Yeah. And so now the public doesn't trust the government. They do not trust the media. They do not trust any of our institutions, CDC, Fauci, whatever. And so you were never going to, you know, Buzz hit on this a couple of weeks ago. You're never going to convince somebody to go get a vaccine by guilting them into it. Right. You're not going to convince them to get the, uh, a vaccine by forcing them into it. They'll rebel. So really what you can do is say, look, 164 million people have had the vaccine and they're not dying. The people who are getting the virus and getting sick are unvaccinated by and large, the vast majority over 90% plus. Yeah. You can show people and, and then encourage them like Governor Kemp has done, which I think, you know, if we look at the difference between the governor of Alabama and the governor of Georgia, you know, the, you have the governor of Alabama throwing her hands up in the air and saying, I don't know, I can't, what am I supposed to do? Force you to do this. And then the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp saying, look, this is still serious. We're going to maximize your liberty. You're going to have to take ownership of your own health and those and go don't trust me i'm the government don't trust me go talk to your own doctor go talk to people you do trust go talk to people you have a relationship with and get their point of view because they're probably going to tell you to go get vaccinated and it's not because they're getting paid or there's some grand conspiracy it's because this stuff is working and it's going to help mm -hmm. so we can you know we we can tell people here go get vaccinated but in the end, that's not going to work. We need to encourage them to go talk to people they actually do trust. Don't trust me. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Eric's word for it. Don't take Buzz's word for it. You know, Jason, don't take his word for it. Definitely talk, don't take mine. <laughs> go talk to somebody you do trust. Go yeah. tell them and, what and, the situation is. For you. And, 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 and Kay Ivey may have uh, thrown up her own hands, but the state of Alabama has brought out the big guns of Nick Saban coming out and saying, don't ruin football yeah. season. Go get a vaccine. Yeah. yeah. That but might be what gets through to folks in yeah, Alabama. He's like, we got vaccinated, the teams got vaccinated, and I'm not letting anyone play that doesn't have a vaccine. So if you don't want to ruin football season, and if no one is aware, I don't know how, but 
Alabama is kind of a big deal in college football and it's a big deal in that state. And yeah, like if, if there is a patron saint of Alabama, it is probably going to be Nick Saban uh, <laughs> since he has already outdone Bear Bryant. Well, I mean, one of the things I, I think people there's some because people the media is being a lot of they're very irresponsible in its reporting on this yeah. and and because they keep talking about the number of vaccinated people who who have been confirmed to have COVID nineteen and it's like no one I don't think anybody ever said that if you got a vaccine you would never catch COVID nineteen that's right. nobody those words if anybody said that to you they were lying to you. Co- it, what what it, the vaccine does is make your symptoms less serious and it, right. it basically keeps your ass out of the hospital is ultimately what it does that's the goal of it it's to right. it's to relieve the strain on the system because we are going to do what we're going to do we're going to travel nobody we yeah. can't expect us to stay locked in our homes for two years that's not how this works so the it was just basically there to mitigate the symptoms that may come if you were to catch it yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it's really frustrating to see the media talk about this. Cause I think their media might wind up, uh, contributing to the chaos. Yeah. Oh, no, no doubt about that. And CDCs, as Scott mentioned, you know, they've been all over the map on all kinds of things. There is just a loss of trust and it is. So yeah, it, it's, it's a mess, but I think if you look at the charts, the, the, there's definitely been a separation between, you can see cases rise, but you don't see deaths rising uh, uh, commensurate to that. So I think that you know, what the vaccine has done to Eric, to Jason's point, it's separated that the vaccine's working, uh, and there may be some people who do get it, but even that number is pretty small. Uh, the number of people, uh, you know, the, the so-called breakthrough case, cases are, are still a pretty small number, uh, but it, it's there. And this, you know, the people who are going to the hospital and are getting are, are, and are sadly dying from this are almost exclusively. Uh, people who are not vaccinated now. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're tired of hearing about Delta, you're probably going to get tired of hearing about Lambda, which has also come out in the last little bit. Mm -hmm. I saw an article about the Lambda variant today. So get vaccinated and we can get through this quicker and we don't have to be locked down. Yeah. I would like that very much if if people who watch this would really heed our, because we've mentioned this multiple times uh, throughout the course of what is our 21st episode? Oh yeah, guys, we hit 20 yeah. last week. Uh, like Scott may, these may are not four go the out most... and say, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to tell you, go get vaccinated. And you're looking at four of the most distrustful people of government you'll ever meet sitting here. Especially so... because people like Buzz Brockway can get elected to something. That's just crazy. Well, that's true. <laughs> I would have, I would have, I would have, I would have. I would have voted for And then the two of y'all hired Scott. me, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a true story. Uh, I don't think anybody heard what I just said. That's that's okay. I said I would have voted for Buzz before I voted for Scott. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 no, I can't. I was going to say, I think I might have voted for Buzz before. No, but that's not true. So election, Georgia election law related news. Uh, so 57 members of the United States House of Representatives have signed a amicus brief in the Northern District of Georgia in support of uh, the state of Georgia's position uh, and basically to uphold the uh, uphold the laws, uphold SB 202. Signers of the uh, amicus brief include uh, Buddy Carter, Andrew Clyde, Drew Ferguson, She Who Shall Not Be Named, Jody Heiss, Barry, Barry Laudermilk, Austin Scott. It looks like this was uh, actually, in fact, the press release from uh, 
uh, says that this was led by uh, Congressman Rick Allen, uh, Georgia 12. Uh, notable signers uh, include, uh, let's see here, Jim Banks, who's the chairman of the Republican Study Committee, Congressman Andy Biggs, the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. Um, we see who else uh, we got. Nancy Mace is a signer, uh, Ralph Norman from South Carolina, uh, Chip Roy, Steve Scalise. So you got leadership, at least Stefanik is also a signer. Uh, so you got some pretty notable members here. Uh, and Mike Johnson, who's also the vice chair at the House Republican Conference and the former chairman of the Republican Study Committee. Uh, so it, it seems like the, uh, at least, you know, this is roughly um, a quarter of the House Republican Conference signing this, this amicus. So it seems like Republicans are certainly, at least federally, are coming out swinging for SB 202. I think it's an easy defense, frankly, you know, uh, when you compare it to other state laws around elections, you know, that what, what is the what are the federal what is the federal government going to argue here? You know, uh, that it's it, that Georgia needs to be treated differently than Delaware or New York or some of the other northeastern states who no no longer are do have um uh, you have to have an excuse to have an absentee ballot or a mail-in ballot. You know, uh, we don't have that here. So when you start comparing apples to apples, w w what is the federal government going to do in their case? I, I think it's an easy it's an easy sign on if you're a Republican legislator to say you're going to be part of the, that that brief, because in the end, I think we're going to end up on the winning side of history. And, and yeah, I do have a question for Jody Heiss. If like, where is the line of which election laws we're going to follow? Because he totally voted against the electors from the state of Georgia. And now he's saying the Georgia election law that he was very much not a fan of earlier. He's totally supportive now. Like, how do we make that decision of which which election laws we want to follow from the state that you happen to represent? You look at the outcome like, and if it's the outcome you want. You follow the law. If, if you don't, then you you toss some out. So. I have a meeting like, with Heiss's office I, on Monday. Please don't screw this up for me, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if they have ever read anything from Eric the Younger, they know that I'm not a fan. Uh, and I have not been a fan since 2014. So, <laughs> I think one, one thing I think to, to build on what Scott just said, yeah, the Supreme Court recently ruled in favor, upheld two items in Arizona's uh, election law, which are also contained in SB 202. Uh, so I think that that strengthens the uh, amicus brief and makes the government's job much tougher to try to get this thing thrown out. So it's going to be interesting to see what what happens. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, it's this thing is going to the Supreme Court. It's going to take a couple of years to get there, but this thing is heading there. And the re the the Brnovich case out of Arizona, uh, that's if that is the, the gives us an idea of reading the tea leaves, it seems like George is going to be successful. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Scott, do you have anything you want to add before we close nope. it out? No, that's perfect. Uh, the last thing on the agenda for tonight, and you guys can have your, your evening back is, or day, whenever you, the hell you're listening to this is uh, uh, so last week, uh, the end of the week, the eviction moratorium that was passed as part of the cares act expired. And, uh, and a couple Democratic members of Congress, uh, Cory Bush from Missouri and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, protested by sleeping outside the Capitol, I think outside the Capitol, uh, and eventually won uh, an executive order signed by Joe Biden, who, whose White House just a day or two before said that they didn't see any way they could do it unilaterally. <laughs> uh, and yet here they are uh, signing in a unilateral uh, uh, continuation of the eviction moratorium. Uh, 
this one uh this one doesn't really make much sense but okay i'm thinking back i think to... the logic was if you sign it now it's still going to take three months to go through the courts so perhaps congress <laughs> will actually do something by then but if congress continues to act the way we've seen them act for the last oh, i don't know six years uh possibly even longer it outlooks grim like you've probably got a, an eight ball that you can shake and get a better answer as to what's going to happen on this one but it, they, the fun part will be is uh, is it the city of Atlanta going to have to give back half the money for rent stabilization like they did in 2020 uh, because they just like the workforce development grant they had received uh, they had to give half of that one back they had to give half of the rent uh, assi rental assistance uh, back to the feds because they did not get it out to where it was supposed to go uh, so I I can easily a, see the city of Atlanta dropping the ball again and uh, well, that, wasting. There was a, a pretty stunning story in the AJC today, to, to Eric's point. There's a lot of money. And in fairness, you know, this may be the first time I ever say this. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had a point. There's a million, billions of these dollars that were supposed of rental assistance that were supposed to wind up in people's hands that have not because, and that's the case in Georgia uh, as well, millions, not billions, but there's all this money that is supposed to have arrived in people's hands to help them pay rent uh, and that has not been distributed yet. I, I, I think that's a, that's a real question. Why has that taken place? But then, you know, uh, Jason and I were joking before we came on air, you know, it, it is pretty stunning to see a president of the United States stand up and say, I'm signing this executive order, but I know, I know it's unconstitutional. It, uh, that, that's, that's pretty stunning. <laughs> it's also pretty it's also pretty interesting that um, the House of Representatives. So it, I mentioned last week was was a very partisan week uh, for, for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, they were supposed to have votes through Friday of last week. And the House Rules Committee noticed that they would consider uh, a, a bill. It was H.R. 4791, uh, which uh, the short title of that bill is the Protecting Renters from Evictions Act of 2021. Uh, they were supposed to meet, consider the rule for that bill. I think they even did. <laughs> Uh, but they never took any votes on Friday. So this thing lapsed without any legislative action. Actually, they, they never did a rule. So they just, they noticed it, but they never had the meeting for it. And it, the, the legislation, I mean, it didn't die. They can they can take it up when they come back, but they're not coming back till September 20th. So Ocasio-Cortez, who I rarely agree with, agree with her on a couple of things here and there, but not often. Uh, she she explicitly said, you can't blame this one on Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. how about her being right twice a day? Um, <laughs> the, but I, I've been looking seriously though. The the if you're a, if you're a property owner and you're renting out, what's happening to you right now? I mean, yeah, I, is the bank calling the the note? Are you getting the same protection mm -hmm. as as the renter in this case because you, the revenue is clearly not coming? Yeah, and, and did these people not use their stimulus money to pay their rent? Did they go out and buy Xboxes? I mean, what happened? Yeah, uh, you know, we we pumped billions and trillions of dollars trillions. into this trillions yep. into this this economy and we're paying for that now with higher prices on everything. Yeah. Why couldn't they use some of that money to pay their rent? And you're about to spend a tr uh, you're about to spend a trillion more and that's just on the infrastructure and then you may have the quote unquote human infrastructure reconciliation bill which may spend I mean I know Cinema's throwing a wrench in Democrats plans by objector saying she's not going to vote for a three and a half trillion dollar budget but they want to go as I mean uh, supposedly Sanders wanted to go as high as six trillion. Yeah, on that. Yeah, the lumber's going down. 
<laughs> it seems to me this Not is this this whole issue is you know to Scott's point is kicking the can down the road. There's yeah. a, there's going to be a reckoning at some point in time, and they don't seem to be you know Congress's inability to actually get anything done. They don't seem to be a way to try to find a way out of this, other than just to continue to kick the can down the road. Everybody's messaging to the margins right now. Nobody's messaging yeah. to to voters who are kind of tired of of, of status. Yeah. And that's the one thing. Like when I talk to offices at the federal level, you know, especially offices I know, one of the things that comes up, what are you hearing back home? It's like, people are tired of it. Yeah. I mean, people are over, over the nonsense, like Republican and Democrat, it doesn't matter who you're talking to. They're just kind of over the way you guys yell at each other all the time and don't get anything done. And I'm yeah. not saying I'm not, and this is not like me. This is not Jason Pye saying that Congress should get some things done, but at the very least, like there are things where I know they have common ground on and they're not moving the goalposts forward because for whatever reason it's and it's often partisanship well somebody like things will be going too good and they'll try to do something at the last minute to sneak one through on the other side and everything falls apart <laughs> so yeah, well, I think I that's, to, that to me that's what's so interesting about the the smaller infrastructure packets <laughs> smaller as opposed to not six trillion uh infrastructure package it's actually you know washington as it used to be and and, and if if they actually get that done I think that's probably a big win for Mitch McConnell and for Joe Biden, because Joe Biden promised to, um, you know, get rid of Trump, vote for me and get rid of Trump and things will return to normal. And that's an instance where things return to normal, where they were able to get a, you know, get a deal done. Not everybody's and happy we have with everything. four years of infrastructure week and we're finally having infrastructure. Week. Yes. Trump <laughs> promises infrastructure week never delivered. Biden's getting it done. And it's a win for McConnell because he gets to say, see, we're not just here to obstruct all the time. We want to get stuff done too. Now it's a crappy bill, but <laughs> it's but, it, but it's, it's going through regular order. Yeah, it's right. Yeah. It's how it's how the it's legislative the process. process is supposed to work. And, and even though even though there, there are members objecting to like there are members who are who are uh, objecting to and holding amendments to, because but they're trying to force votes on their own amendments. That's how the system's supposed to work. Right. You know, I mean, I don't. You know, it may it might slow things down, but this legislating ain't supposed to be easy. So no. Uh, I think that's Why all. You tell me that ten years ago. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I I think I I think I did. Uh, uh, but no, uh, we're, we're this that was uh, the end of the topic. So I'm gonna give you guys. Scott, a chance. they gave you strike and replace. That is making it easier, right? <laughs> Something like that, I guess. Uh, f- final final thoughts <laughs> that don't exist at the federal level, and like five people listen to this guy. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. I, I, I trust me, I got it. Uh, and and I trust me, the Re- Readable Legislation Act would was uh, used to be offered by Justin Amash. I wanted that to pass whenever it was introduced, but it, it was Justin Amash who introduced it, so it's never getting passed. Uh, final thoughts before we take off, guys. Hey, man, the Hawks signed John Collins and Trey Young. Look out, Eastern Conference. The Hawks are going to be good for a while. That's my final thought. Uh, just when I needed the Braves to be better than they were to help the Reds in the standings, uh, they stunk it up, man. Can we get the Braves a little help, except for the middle of next week when they're playing the Reds? Because I think they really dropped the ball at the, at the trade deadline. They, didn't, they don't have a center fielder. Their bullpen's a mess. Uh, help me out. Jason, what's going on with the Braves? I, I don't know. I mean, everybody keeps talking about the improvement to the the outfield, and I see a couple of hitters who hit below who are hitting below 230, um, who have some power. I mean, there's no well, denying there's no denying to have some pop in their bats, but they're hitting below 230. And then jo- Jock Peterson, who's around 240, uh, we don't yeah, but, have. But look, Peterson's hitting over 300 since he arrived in Atlanta. That's not going to last. Yeah, all the Cubs. So Solar is is not going to cover off the ball in the two days he's been here. So 
All of the Cubs that got traded are hitting. Anthony Rizzo, home run first game as a Yankee. Yeah. Javier Baez, first home run as a Met. Chris Bryant, first game as a Giant, home run. I mean, what? Well, the- you have to pitch to those lineups, but you have to pitch to those lineups. You can't pitch around. Like the Cubs were that bad where they pitched around those guys. You didn't need to, you didn't need to face them every, That's every. four players. How do you pitch around half the lineup? <laughs> Have faith in double A, okay? <laughs> Have faith in double A. The Braves are going to win the division because the Mets suck, and so are the Phillies. Uh, I, I don't, I, I don't have faith in the Braves this year. We don't, we still, we still have needs in the bullpen. Starting pitching is uh, hit or miss. I wish hit or miss. Uh, well, I guess technically, technically, <laughs> it, it, is, it, it is, it is, it is, it's, it, it's all hit or miss. It's all mostly hit though. Yeah. Uh, and and we we have a bunch of uh, we have a bunch of guys who would probably be sitting the bench if they were playing for the Yankees, uh, playing in the outfield. So, you know, I mean, and but we lost. The good news is college football season is coming up. That it is. Three days. That it is, and we can re- renew old, clean old fashioned hate this year. And yes. oh, there will be lots of ragging when Georgia beats Georgia Tech. So. Uh, with that, folks, we are out of time. We'll see you maybe next week. Uh, if not, I mean, I, I, I mean, I might not be on, but the rest of these clowns will be. Anyway, peace out. Have a good rest of your week. We'll see you soon. Bye, y'all. Have a good one.